Hello everyone, this is your buddy and your pal, Ouch, and welcome to the Ouchcast. Why are you like this? And this is What You've Been Watching, the TV and movie review show on the Ouchcast. We are dipping into the world of animation on today's episode. I love me some cartoons. It's nice that we're living in a time where adults are now making cartoons that other adults would want to watch. Except we do need to come up with a better name for the genre. No matter what you call it, adult animation, intended for mature audiences, it just sounds like you're talking about hentai. And I have no idea how that got on my phone's wallpaper image. It's more about the fact that modern tunes deal with subject matter not inappropriate for children, but not understood by children. Things like isolation, claustrophobia, dealing with hopeless situations, the struggles that a character would go through. All of which is handled in the show we're going to look at today. So, get your new name and let's go look for the Gloink Queen as we take a look at the amazing Digital Circus. to the amazing Digital Circus! My name is Kane, I'm your ringmaster, and I'm here to show you the most jaw-dropping, heart-stopping, mind-bending paraphernalia you've ever laid your eyes upon! Isn't that right, Bubble? That's right, Kane. I can't wait to see what you've got cooking up for today. Well, let's not waste any time. Let's get right into the show! From October 13th, 2023, The Amazing Digital Circus is an independent dark comedy and psychological drama created by Gooseworks and produced by Glitch Productions, released as a pilot on YouTube, where it has gathered, as of this writing, November 13th, 103 million views, making it the most viewed independent animation on the site. Surpassing the previous holder has been Hotel. In this show, a group of humans are stuck inside the virtual world of the amazing digital circus, all dealing with their own mental instabilities while trying to figure a way out and avoid becoming abstracted, which is basically turning into a giant glitched out monster bent on destruction. I mean, I try not to do that every day, and it's getting tougher. The show is animated in current day CGI, so it's not like you're looking at Resident Evil for the PlayStation 1 the entire time. I do think it's very well done. The animation is smooth, all the characters have great design choices, and in a phrase you'll probably hear many times during this episode, the fact that this is done by independent animators is really impressive. They even have a little bit of fun with the animation, as they'll show a prop clipping through the floor or really interesting glitching out effects. What the show lacks in detail, it makes up for in terms of scale, style, and overall more fun. Maybe not a rival to Pixar, but certainly an alternative to a mega company like that. So the show looks great, and they did a really clever thing with how things are designed. The concept is definitely inspired by those early to mid 90s computer games for kids. 
You have like the early 3D graphics. You have these over the top settings where you have a lot of props and sets all over the place, but for no real good reason. There's not a real great direct comparison to share, but it hits those nostalgia pangs for those general kind of settings. The heart of the show is the characters, who have so many personalities, they must hit all seven traits of highly effective people. Is that too obscure of a reference? People might remember Chicken Soup for the Soul, but the uh, seven traits, I bet they've been proven wrong by this point in time. Anyways, our main character is Pomni, the newest human stuck in the Amazing Digital Circus, as we see her pop in during the opening. We're seeing the story through her eyes, as she is the fish out of water trying to figure out this new world she's a prisoner of. What did any of that mean? The character seemingly in charge is Kane, the AI ringmaster, along with his pet slash pal slash sidekick, Bubble. Now, I wouldn't really call Kane an antagonist, as he seemingly is trying to do what's best for the characters, you know, trying to make sure they have fun and acts as a sort of protector when someone gets abstracted or damaged. But he's programmed to think life is only the amazing digital circus, so he doesn't really understand the idea or the urge of trying to escape. Whoa! Clean up on aisle you! I'm on it, boss! Why are you like this? The standout of all the characters is probably Jax the Rabbit. He is basically the smartass of the group who's pretty funny, even though he's being a complete jerk to everyone. Think of him as Yakko Warner if he was a bully. Oh no, they killed Zubel. Anyway, you guys want to go get something to eat? Everyone else... I'll be nice and say they didn't get enough screen time to really show off who they are. Ragatha is the voice of reason and compassion. Zubel kinda hates everything. If anyone needs me, then f off. Kinger is completely insane, and Gangle, who eh, isn't really that much, honestly. I bet someone is trying to make these characters into like the stages of grief or something. And that's just a theory. I don't know what I'm looking at here. We saw Gloink carry one of Zubel's pieces down there, remember? Oh, yeah. Thank you for the recap. Boy, we're not very good at this, are we? The show is a feast for the eyes, for sure. But the merits for the show are built on its writing, which it does a great job. The storyline is set up within the first four minutes, with Pomni trying to figure out her new world, and then trying to escape her new world. You have all these personalities bouncing off of each other, some who are used to the situation, some who have completely lost it. It basically gives some great dialogue for each character. Plus, with the seemingly endless possibilities that can happen, you are set up for future wackiness and or terror in ways you never thought possible. But most importantly, this show is funny. This will appeal to you if you were raised in that early digital age, like the mid-90s, as a lot of the humor comes from very referential things where you had to be there. That mixed in with just amazing comedic timing that leans in on a couple of extra beats of silence, and you get a very entertaining show. Here we have the tent! 
This is where your living quarters are, as well as all sorts of other activities. These activities may include... Ball pits, mini golf, and more! Now, there are a few moments where I deal with certain aspects of the show, because it's made for today's audience who expect this kind of thing anymore. Mainly, the fact that lore seems to be a requirement for everything. There's a scene that shows a website on screen, so of course you go there, and it's a hidden teaser video, and you gotta go through frame by frame to find the secrets. Or you have to look at the backgrounds and see like characters that have already been there and are gone, and you gotta take your notes for hipster homework. I understand, but it doesn't mean I have to like it. But when the moments like this are in the show, told within the story, I'm perfectly fine with. There's a scene where Pomni is going through an exit door, and then she's in this uh, office setting, where the scene is shot from like the security camera's perspective. It's very reminiscent of the Stanley Parable if you've played that game. There's a moment where she's just rushing through this never-ending office, room after room. But she stops and takes a moment at this one particular desk, where you as the viewer go, Oh, that's her desk! I get it! Moments like that are rewarding because they're not behind a URL. Granted, right after that, you get a big shot of what is clearly a company logo, but you only get more questions than answers. Plus, when you have these shows that try to lock down a particular rule set, are they going to be able to follow them as the show goes on? For example, Kane clearly says, We stay right here, where I can keep my hundreds of all-seeing eyes on you. Okay, so if he can see everything, why didn't he see Kofmo abstract in the room? Or even see it stomping around the circus throughout the episode? It's a little inconsistent for someone who's supposed to be omnipotent for the setting. Plus, can characters die? They seemingly can get their ass kicked as they run from the monster and start glitching out themselves. It's okay. What you need to do right now is find Kane. He'll be able to fix me up and take care of Kopmo. But again, Kane can seemingly fix everything, so do they really worry about it? Plus, since the adventures are part of the game, does that mean someone in the wor real world could see them inside and try to do something? For a simpleton like myself, I'm coming up with a lot of questions that don't have answers. And then, in terms of production, how much can an independent company do for this level of quality? I mean, cost alone has to be the biggest factor. I mean, I've never been so successful to know what YouTube's payout terms are, you know, two cents a view or whatever. But I don't know if view time or whatever kind of metrics you need are going to be enough to pay off a staff of animators for the level of quality it's putting out. I know they have some basic merch like t-shirts and like dolls of the character, but a 30% markup can't be paying most of the bills. And then, if they just try to stay on YouTube, is that really going to lead to anything else? 
I know that we can pretend Hollywood is dying and doing it yourself is the way of the future, but if you don't have the experience of wheeling and dealing, or if the creators only like to draw slash animate slash write, then you'll find out that their maximum is only going to reach a certain level. I understand creative freedom is hugely important anymore, because the only thing network suggestions seem to do is ruin what you used to love in your favorite shows. But the part that makes them the obscene amounts of money, like the hot topic kind of money, may always be outside of their reach. What am I? What am I? What I'm saying is, sell out as fast as you can. Overall, I think there is a ton of potential with the amazing digital circus. It's a very character-driven piece with the right style of humor and storyline that would keep bringing people in. And to be fair, a younger audience could watch it as it's not a lot of nightmare fuel like a don't hug me I'm scared. One episode isn't a lot to go on, but A, they're going to start making more real soon, and B, that hasn't stopped me from reviewing something before. With all of that being said, I'm going to give The Amazing Digital Circus an 8 out of 10. Get out of here before the moon gets frisky! Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of The Ouchcast. To keep up with the show, follow us over on Spotify so you never miss a new episode. And if you like what you hear, send an email over this way at ouch64 at gmail.com. This podcast was written without AI assistance. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next time.